This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, March 16th, 2014. Amazing. Amazed by His gracious words. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection and a sinner who's been saved by God's amazing grace. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, we just thank you for today. Lord, be with each one of us. Meet us where we are. Open our hearts, our eyes, our minds for all that you have for each one of us. Lord, help us be changed and transformed by your message, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we're going to continue in the book of Luke. Last week we kind of hung out in chapter 2. This week we're going to pick up in chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. It's important to know at this point in Jesus' life, he's an adult. He's around 30 years old, and he's recently been baptized by John the Baptist. Now we know that when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan, the Holy Spirit descended on him, in the form of a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So we learn immediately after Jesus' baptism, in the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. You can read about these events in the third and fourth chapters of Luke. And in fact, if you haven't read them recently, we really encourage you to do that. So, the next thing that Luke tells us in chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, is that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone, what? praised him. Absolutely. So I think one of the first things that Luke wants us to notice about this passage that we're looking at today is Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And then news about him was spreading through the whole countryside. This opening statement lets the reader understand that when Jesus originally left Galilee before he was baptized, he did not have the power of the Spirit. Now that he's been baptized by the Spirit and he's on, undergone a period of testing, 40 days in the wilderness by the devil, he is now ready to begin his earthly ministry. Now, when he returns to Galilee, he's functioning both in the human and divine Holy Spirit power. News about him began to spread. We next read that Jesus went into Nazareth. And Nazareth was one of the towns in the region of Galilee, similar to how Middletown is a town in the region of Newcastle County. So we read that he went into Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. 
So some other key things for us to note right away is he's in Nazareth, his hometown, where he grew up. People knew who he was, right? This is Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary. They knew him as a boy, a youth, and a man who had become a carpenter by trade. The point is, is he's now in a familiar setting, and the people know him. This is most likely the first time that they have seen him since he's been anointed by the Spirit. So Jesus goes into the synagogue, as was his custom to do. He was part of the community, and he participated regularly in synagogue. That was a day when the people would gather together, they would read God's word, they would reflect and discuss and teach from the Bible that's found in the Old Testament. So here Jesus comes into the synagogue with the power of the Spirit. Now I'm thinking they probably noticed something was a little different about him. For example, I clearly remember the day when my dad, when I noticed that my dad had the Holy Spirit in him. I so remember that day. He was a confessed atheist, like, most of his life. He came to stay with Dave and I in around 2006 for a few days. He was 68 years old at the time. He had a key to our house, so he came at night while we were sleeping. The next morning, I woke up, went into the kitchen, and I saw my dad standing there making breakfast. And when I looked at my dad, I could tell this is not the same man who I had seen the time before. There was something very different about him. He had this glow about him, and I really didn't even have time to talk to him about it. I had to rush out, I had a meeting to go to, but all I knew is that something had changed, and it was good. Then, later that day, I get a call from Dave, who did have breakfast with him. And my dad, my dad, who had been a confessed atheist almost all of his life, shared a personal God story. I couldn't believe it. Neither one of us thought that that was something that we were going to see during that visit. It was an awesome, awesome thing for us, and we praise God for that. So now, back to our story. Jesus is standing in the synagogue to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah is handed to him. They didn't have books like we do now. Each of the biblical writings were on scrolls, one scroll for each book. The book of Isaiah is part of the Old Testament writings that are known as the prophets. Now, a prophet is someone who received, spoke, and recorded words that were given to them from God about a future event that had not happened. Now, the way people would judge if what the prophet said was actually from God was whether or not the events that they prophesied about actually came true in the future. So many of the things that Isaiah has prophesied about have indeed come true. The book of the prophet Isaiah is a long book. It's about 66 chapters long. 
And Jesus is handed the scroll and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, say the rest with me, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Wow. Can you just imagine being there? Hearing him read these prophetic words? I can just imagine the hearts of the people there that day. They must have been listening, anticipating, and waiting for what he was going to say next. You know, we are told that the eyes of everyone were fastened on him. They couldn't wait to hear what was going to come out of his mouth. And then he opens his mouth to speak and he declares, today, in your hearing, this scripture has been fulfilled. Wow. Those present would have been familiar with this passage in Isaiah. Jesus is essentially declaring publicly that he is the anointed one that this passage is referring to. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. Jesus is saying that he is the very one that Isaiah wrote about some 680 to 70 years ago before he was born. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. Not only that, but he outlines for the people what his mission and why he was sent, what he was sent to do. So Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God to proclaim good news to the poor. The good news he's talking about is the ushering in of God's kingdom. Jesus came to bring good news about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God to the poor. It was happening now. The poor are those who are poor, not only from an economic standpoint, but those who are poor in their spirits. Those who have been humbled in their spirits. You know, because it's really hard for us to receive the good news of the kingdom of God when we have things like pride, selfishness, or self-centeredness in our hearts. When we're full of ourselves, there's little or no room for God. So Jesus, he's announcing also his mission to proclaim freedom, freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Now these are those who have been imprisoned, enslaved by sin, disease, and various infirmities. And I know that many of you were, at some point, enslaved by some of these same things. 
They're imprisoned in the sense that they're enslaved and unable to see the kingdom of God. All they can see is their sin, their disease, and their sickness. So Jesus came to break the power over that sin. He came to restore, to break the power of death in our lives, because when we're in sin, we kind of, we're kind of dead spiritually. He came to break that power of death in our lives, and he came to heal those who needed healing. So those imprisoned also included those who were literally imprisoned in some way. It could be those who were forced into some form of slavery. A current example is um, sex slave trafficking that goes on actually here in the U.S. and around the world. We might not hear a lot about it, but, but that really breaks my heart. You know, and one of the things that's a reality on Super Bowl Sunday, when we're, that's a great big day for us, that's also a great big day for sex tra trafficking business. That's kind of sad that and we're celebrating pe other people are enslaved because of all the draw that it brings to whatever town that, country, that the Super Bowl's in. He also came to recover the sight of those who were blind. Now Jesus literally did restore sight to the blind. But the blindness he's talking about here is more about the spiritual blindness of the people. When the people are spiritual, spiritually blind, they can't see and they don't have the love of God in their hearts. Now, with that definition, we could all say from time to time that we are spiritually blind. Another way to describe spiritual blindness is our inability to see the world through God's eyes. So when we're spiritually blind, we can't see the world and people the way God does. Now the truth is, we're all, every single one of us, are spiritually blind to one degree or another. And if we don't think we have any spiritually blindness, any spiritual blindness, that's actually an indication of just how spiritually blind you are. So the bottom line is Jesus came to recover our sight. The closer we get to God, the clearer we see. I love the song Amazing Grace. It goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. See, the spiritual blindness that this song is referring to is for those who don't have a saving relationship. They don't know the love of God in their heart that Jesus Christ has for them. And then he says, when the see part, when you can see, it's kind of like you've accepted that. So you're blind, you didn't have the love in your heart, and now you can see, and now you have the love of God within you everywhere you go. That's the kind of blindness Jesus was talking about. Now the other thing that I think is amazing about this song is the writer John Newton um, in the 1700s when he says that he was a wretch, he was a wretch. He was actually a very horrible man. He participated in um, the slave trade. 
He, he, brought, he was on the ships in the sea bringing slaves into this country. He was just a horrible man. And the things he did, the things he said, the way he spoke. And the thing about him is during one of those voyages, they hit a heavy storm. You know, it was really rough. They were wondering, are they going to live? He wondered, is he going to live? He called out to God, and he asked for help. And whenever we do that, what does God do? It doesn't matter what we've done. God comes in, and God will help when we open our hearts to receive that. And that's what happened. The awesome thing about this story is that many years later, he was a big advocate of helping abolish slavery. He played a major role in that in the end of his life. So at one point, he was in favor of slavery, and then he was all about freeing, freeing people because he had the love of God within his heart. The interesting thing, too, just to note lastly on him, is by the time he got the news that slavery had actually been abolished, he was literally blind in his eyes. But he didn't care because he could see. So praise God for that. Now, so Jesus' mission, it also includes setting the oppressed free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. The oppressed are those who are being oppressed by political, economic, and social forces and powers that are at work in the world, both then and now. The oppressed are those who are marginalized, those who are on the fringes of society. Oppressed people are usually ridiculed and verbally put down in some way or another. This week in the news, I heard about kids who are bullying each other in school, and they're using an app on their phone to help facilitate some of that. A cruel form of oppression that's found its way into our schools. Jesus came also to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The good news of the kingdom of God and the Lord's favor have come upon you now. Now, in the background of all this, the people would have associated this passage with a message of salvation. The anointed one, Jesus, who is the Messiah. When Jesus said, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He is saying that God's prophetic words that were spoken long ago, his promises, that they are being fulfilled today, right now, right here in your midst. And the same is true for us. They are being fulfilled right here, right now, in our midst. And I know they have, because I know a lot of your stories. The year of the Lord's favor, it is today. Today has not ended. As, <coughs> as long as we continue to be the church, today goes on. So after he spoke these words, we're told that he said, we're told that it was said, all who spoke well at them, read this with me, all who spoke well of him were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. 
The words Jesus spoke were gracious. The root of the word gracious is grace. God's grace is God's unconditional love for you and me, for each one of us. God's unconditional love. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. It's a free gift for each one of us to receive. They were grace-filled words. They were amazed because God had not forgotten them. And if you're feeling like God has forgotten you, I'm going to tell you right now, God has not forgotten you. These words are for you too. So their time, what these words are saying is your time of bondage is over. They were amazed because the long-awaited Messiah had come. They had believed in God's promises. They heard the words as truth. His words have power and authority. Yesterday and today, his words have power and authority to be good news to the poor. They have power to release those who are oppressed by the forces of evil in the world. They have the power to break strongholds in your life, the power to restore sight and to free all who have been imprisoned and oppressed. The message of salvation that Jesus brings liberates people both then and now, it liberates them. Those were grace-filled words. The question is, is are you amazed at Jesus' grace-filled words? Are you amazed at his words? His words, and promise, his words and promises that are found in Scripture, they are for you too. If you are amazed at his words we have a couple of things that we would like to challenge you to do with them. So the first group of people I'd like to talk to today, the first challenge I'd like to offer, is for those who are exploring this whole God thing. You haven't yet received Jesus into your heart. You're just trying to figure it out. Is it real? Is it not? You know, help me, God, with that. And we are excited that you're exploring about that. This is a great place to do that. So what we want to challenge you to do is to look at this passage, because it ends with a question. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And the question is, is isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Now this question can be heard from both a positive or a negative standpoint. So from a positive standpoint, it might be like, wow, isn't this Joseph's son? Or it could be heard from a negative point with doubt. Yeah, who is that? Isn't this, isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Jesus? The kid we grew up with? So for those who doubt, they're basically saying, I'm amazed at what, maybe what he said and the way he said it, but I'm not really sure he's the one that Isaiah was talking about. I don't really think he's Messiah. I don't really think he's Savior. So what we'd like to encourage you to do during this season of Lent is to press into this question. 
Who was Jesus? Was he God's son who came in the world, came into the world to proclaim good news to the people? Or was he just another man who walked on the earth? We encourage you to inquire in your heart. Faith is considering the facts in our brains. And then, after we consider, you know, maybe what we've thought about, learned about, we also have another sense, our spiritual sense. So after we consider those things with our brains, what we do is we listen, receive, and believe in our hearts. So the writer of the book of Hebrews, I think, explains it best. He says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and insurance about what we don't see. We believe that Jesus' gracious words were spoken for you. Are you amazed by Jesus' gracious words for your life? So we encourage you to wrestle with this question this week. Choose, choose to either continue not believing or choose to believe by faith and invite Jesus into your heart. It's that simple. So if you want to talk to somebody about this, we really encourage you to do that. If you have questions, please ask. We would love to talk to you, not to try to convince you of anything, but just to share. We would love to help you work this out. This could be one of the most important questions that you ever ask yourself and wrestle with in your life. So we hope you take on the challenge to do that. Now, for the rest of you, for those who have already been amazed by Jesus' grace-filled words and have a personal relationship with him. So now I want to talk to you for a minute. You have already believed by faith. Your spiritual sight has been restored, at least partially. It's in the process of being restored. The closer and closer you get to God, you have been freed from some of the things and possibly all the things that have kept you in bondage. And if you haven't been completely freed, we know that that freedom is coming. So have faith. Continue to believe. We know that. You have received the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' mission is to bring good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the oppressed. That's his mission, and that's your mission too. We are Christ's representatives in the world, and we are called to join Jesus in this mission. We encourage each of you to pray about your role in this mission and to prayerfully look for opportunities, not just this week, but regularly. Look for opportunities to plant kingdom seeds in your homes, your work, your schools, your neighborhood, your community, in the world. Notice this week who you come in contact with that's poor in their spirit. Notice those who are blind from the message of God's love in their life. Notice when people are being oppressed around you or in some form of slavery. And I'm not talking literal slavery. 
You know, sometimes people are just enslaved by the stuff that they've got going on in their life. Ask God to allow you to see those people, to see the people that you encounter with God's eyes. Because if you can't see them with God's eyes, you aren't going to be able to really be there for them and, and help them. We've got to look through God's eyes. So God, help us have eyes to see as you see God. Ask God how you can be his hands and feet. It could be something as simple as asking somebody who looks burdened or worried if they just need to talk. You know, take a genuine interest in them and ask. If you see somebody who looks like they're upset or disturbed or, hey, what's going on with you? Do you want to talk? I would love to hear, I would love to hear your story. You know, doing that can be, it can actually go a long way, a very long way, of opening a door for another person to receive and be amazed by God's gracious, grace-filled words in their own life. So we challenge you to do that as you go out this week. This is the good news connection. We're called to live it, we're called to believe it, and we're called to give it to others that we encounter and meet. So let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that the time of your favor is now, that today is the day that we can experience freedom. Today is the day so, Lord, help each one of us, nudge us in our spirits, Lord, as we go out from here. Help us to see with your eyes, to notice those um, who you would have us reach out to. Lord, even if there's things in our life that are in process, we have our own hurts and hang-ups and things like that, Lord, help us with that, too, because we know that you have come to give complete freedom. Lord, be with us in our struggles and be with us in our joys and our challenges. Help us all be amazed by your gracious, grace-filled words as we take them out into the world today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.